I invite you to join with me in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, as we have begun this Lenten journey, may we, Lord, walk with you through your word. May we be drawn to the upper room, to the palace of Pilate, to Golgotha, and then to an empty tomb. That, Lord, we might be growing in our faith and our life, that we might be your faithful witnesses. And now may these words of this preacher's mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Just this one verse again from Job, God's servant. God has cast me into the mire, and I have become like dust and ashes. It really doesn't look pretty, does it? I know each of us has the inability of seeing the sign of the ash on our own foreheads unless we first look in a mirror, but we can easily see the sign of the ash upon each other on their foreheads. It doesn't look natural, does it? Regardless of how much hair you have, if you had hair to pull back or whether you had no hair to pull back, it just doesn't look right. In fact, standing here, looking inside one of the two dishes here of the ash, looking at my own thumb, still some marks from this afternoon's service and tonight, though the hands have been washed a number of times, it just doesn't go away. The Lord God has cast me into the mire, and I have become like dust and ashes. The sign of the ashes is a reminder of our mortality. It calls to mind of our first parents, Adam and Eve in paradise, in Genesis chapter 2, when God had told them, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. No exceptions. The very next chapter, after they had indeed eaten from the tree, God reminds Adam, to dust you will return, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. Dust and ashes, a sign of our mortality, the cause of a great need for us to repent. I read something interesting today from a, I'll admit, a political commentator. The names will be withheld to protect those who are innocent, though no one is innocent. This political commentator made the comment that among global leadership, there is one person uh, who claims to be a member of the Greek Orthodox Church, someone who also hears, for dust you are, to dust you shall return. And yet that particular individual has on his hands the blood of thousands of innocent people. 
Is it just a saying? Is it just a handy slogan? But isn't taken to heart? At the same time, there's another political leader of another country, another stripe, who proclaims adherence to a Christian denomination who also is in full favor of abortion on demand, the killing of innocent children, even up to and perhaps even past birth. Is it just a handy slogan? Is it just a convenient handle? For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Or should there be great meaning and significance in these ashes? The point of our time together tonight in God's word is not for politics, but to take it home for us. Do we recognize the dust and ashes isn't just a fancy little tradition? It's a reality check of who we are and what our destiny is. You see, Abraham himself, the great patriarch, in Genesis 18, as he was going to plead with God for mercy on behalf of the towns Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham pleaded with God and says, Oh, who am I that I should speak? I am just a bunch of dust and ashes. Or page further into the Old Testament, Jonah chapter 3. Of all people, the king of Nineveh, a foreign nation, not an Israelite community, not those who had been descended from Abraham who had heard of Moses, but the king of Nineveh hears the word of God and repents and sits in sackcloth and ashes. Jesus, Jesus longed for the people of his day to respond. He makes a comparison of Capernaum, if Chorazin, if the people of the Old Testament had seen the things that they had seen, if even if the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah could have witnessed the miracles that Capernaum and Chorazin witnessed, all they would have repented, Jesus says. Uh, perhaps there's a sharp angle into our lives. This dust and ashes. Is it just something convenient for the time? Or is it to be taken in deeper? The author of the word of God before us tonight, or I should be more precise, the person whom our Lord used to write his word tonight, Job chapter 30. Job was a man who knew dust and ashes. He was very familiar. You may briefly remember the particulars of Job's life. Blessed beyond all imagination. And yet in one fell swoop, thieves and thugs murder his servants. His cattle are killed and slaughtered and taken off. His children die in a tragic storm. And 
Job says, naked I came into this world and naked I shall leave. The Lord gives, the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job is allowed to suffer great agony short of taking his own life. His own wife at one point just simply says, get it over with. Curse God and die. <laughs> Ashes were far more than just, just a thing in a bowl. Far more than just a neat tradition. They're part and parcel with what Job experienced. And yet, take another look at the sign of the ashes that each of us bears. It's not any random shape. Though neither Pastor Alex or I are really any great artists, at least speaking for myself and working with you for a number of years, I would think the same thing. <laughs> the shape of the ash is very deliberate. The sign of the cross. The sign of God's victory and triumph over that very sin. The sign and the reminder of what our God has done, the lengths to which he will go, that our sin, that our dust and ashes would be rendered pointless and useless and powerless. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans reminds us that death no longer has mastery over Jesus. Jesus has, if you will, Pulled the plug on death. It's done. Sin and shame. They've lost their punch. Because we are in Jesus. I don't know how long it will be for each of us that the sign of the cross with the ashes remains on our foreheads. But there is something greater that endures. Over the next number of weeks, each of these Wednesday services, we will be invited to be drawn in and to experience something unique and particular that communicates the gospel. The message of Jesus Christ isn't just communicated through words on a page or, or words shared, but things to be experienced, things even at times to be eaten and tasted, or tonight to be smeared on our foreheads. But though this sign will fade away, the truth of the person behind it remains. In truthfulness, as we made these and prepared these ashes, you might remember that the tradition is that you take the palms from Palm Sunday of the year before and burn them. And that is exactly how these ashes came about. A little bit of olive oil mixed in as well. 
very carefully the palms that were waved last year on Palm Sunday, the leftover ones, were allowed to dry. They were cut up into manageable pieces, put into a box, and then yesterday burned. Now, the funny little humorous thing is there that, well, we had a slight problem with, or a slight mishap with burning them, but we're thankful that eventually grass grows back. And you'll perhaps have to look closely sometime in the front of church to decide or discover more what I'm speaking about. But even that sign will one day wash away or grow away. But the truth of what these crosses remind us of, the person to whom they connect us to, will never wash away, will never fade away. Jesus Christ is never going to turn his back on us. He's never going to say, enough of you pile of dust and ashes. He will instead draw us in to himself, encourage us, grow us in our faith, refresh us with his salvation. And we can anticipate and look forward to every day knowing that the truth of our Savior has an impact on our lives. The truth of Jesus Christ living and dwelling in us has a power and a purpose. It has an effect upon us. It impacts all that we are and all that we say. Especially as we draw closer to that empty tomb of Easter. But first, there can be no resurrection unless there is first a crucifixion. God be with us as we journey in this season. In the name of our Savior, amen.